Hello, welcome to today's edition of the Suffolk Money Podcast, supported by Kingsfleet Wealth. Suffolk not only has wonderful locations and tourist destinations, but also a number of wonderful pubs and restaurants in those places. So today it's a real delight to be able to speak with Chris Theobald, who co-owns the Parrot in Aldringham and the Dolphin in Thorpness. Chris tells us something of the history of both establishments and how the last couple of years have been for them and the way in which they adapted to provide services for their community. I'm uh, delighted to be able to speak with you today, Chris. So first of all, we're the, the locations, let's just talk about those. So tell us a bit about the dolphin at Fort Ness. So yeah, Fort Ness, uh, it's about a mile up the coast from Oldborough. Um, it's a fantastic area. The beach is lovely. Um, it's sort of a mix of stony beach and sandy beach, depending on which end of Fort Ness you're at. <laughs> um, uh, it's got a wonderful mere, um, hundreds and hundreds of, uh, sort of birds and ducks and geese on there, swans. Um, and that was purposely sort of built out, or dug out, sorry, about 100 years ago, um, because the idea of Fort Ness was a, as a holiday village for people from, from London to come on holiday in Fort Ness, to get away from the, the big city. Um, and it's still that today. It is still very much a holiday village um, you know, with the country club and the golf club and uh, the windmill, the house in the clouds. It's really sort of a, a theatrical place uh, that people love to come to. So, yeah, we're very lucky to have the dolphin there. And it's actually on quite a prominent position, isn't it? Once you go round the corner, if you're coming up from Albury, you go round the mere, turn the mm. corner, and there's the dolphin on the right-hand side. Yeah, so you, you can't miss the dolphin. It's the only pub in the village. It's a big yellow and black building, um, fantastic garden. Uh, yeah, so you really you can't miss us if you're in Portness. And how long has it been there since the the village was established? Ooh, um, just over a hundred years I think I think it was like 1918 the village sort of officially became Forkness uh, as, as a holiday destination anyway um, and sort of a lot of the buildings have been built to, to look like mock Tudor buildings um, the arms houses which are directly opposite the Dolphin I think the date on the front of them is 1928 um, and they were originally built to house like the workers for the holiday village um, but yeah they're arms houses now um, and yeah, the golf course, 1912, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but... But yeah, so 100 years plus. But yeah. yeah, but it might be that someone who isn't aware of that, they'd wander around and, and, and the way the village is designed, it looks a lot older than it actually is. Um, yeah, it does, it, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, incredible place. Um, so that's uh, Thorpness. And, and then the Parrot and Punch Bowl is a little bit inland. Yeah, so it's a couple of miles up the road from uh, from Portness in Aldringham. Again, a couple of miles from Oldborough as well. Uh, a little bit, I say a little bit more history here. It's an older village. The parrot itself is over 500 years old. Um, I don't really know much about Aldringham. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I read it as in the Doomsday Book, so it is has been yeah, around yeah, for a little while. Yeah, it's been here <laughs> a long time. Um, and the, the windmill that's in Portness actually came from Aldringham um it was on the green in Aldringham um and they dismantled it and took it to Fortness so they can pump water around the village of Fortness so uh yeah that is that's about as much as I know about Aldringham <laughs> <laughs> so of course Aldringham was at one stage probably larger wasn't it because uh 
Thorpe Ness being probably just Thorpe, uh, the uh, fishing village originally. And um, obviously it's been... Well, I mean, the parish name is Aldringham Come Thorpe. So they are sort of linked together. Mm. Um, so they've, they've always had that history together. And Aldringham sort of is spread out much more than Thorpe Ness. Thorpe Ness is very much contained within a smaller area, whereas Aldringham sort of spreads itself out towards Oldborough and what have you. And you've got a lot, it's in quite a sort of sandy uh, plain, really, isn't it? With lots of fir trees and so on growing around, but it's... Uh... Uh, we're very lucky. The, 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 you know, the, the nature around here, the, the forest, the fields, the, the wildlife is all amazing. Yeah, we're very, very lucky. So with these two slightly different feeling locations, um, your clientele is probably slightly different as well. Absolutely. So in Fort Ness, because it is still a holiday village, essentially, it's very much holiday makers there, day trippers. Um, there are lots of second homes in Fort Ness, um, still with people from London um, and obviously other places. Uh, so, yeah, that's busy, very, very busy in school holidays, the summer, Easter, things like that. It's very busy. Whereas here in Aldringham, uh, it's a lot more local people that come in um, from Oldborough, Leyston, Saxmundham. Uh, they all come and visit us. We do get holidaymakers here. Um, and yeah, it's the, the two pubs, they complement each other well, because when the Dolphin gets fully booked, then they can send people to us because it is just a couple of miles down the road. Uh, so it works very well for us. So uh, how do you, um, as a business owner, first of all, how do you deal with that in that does one, as you say, the, the dolphin has its particular peaks, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily troughs because it might go a bit quiet, but I'm <laughs> sure it doesn't, yeah, <laughs> sure it doesn't uh, close the doors. Um, so yeah, it, it has its peaks, whereas is the parrot a bit more steady? It's a bit more steady, yeah, the parrot um it obviously it does sort of peak in the summer sort of august end of august time is the busiest for both pubs um and christmas easter um but at the parrot it is much more steady throughout the year because we have that trickle of local people that come and support us the whole year round um and the dolphin has people that support them the whole year round um but it just has a lot more people that go to it during the busy times so yeah it's a, it's a busy pub so as a as an owner of that, how do you deal with those issues? Do you, is your activity set different uh, on each establishment? So, you know, in, in Thorbness, do you need to put on additional activities? Or if you do, when do those happen? And, and Aldringham, is it more of a, uh, an awareness you're part of a village and, and, and there's more of an input into village life there? In both the pubs, we, we're really proud of like how much we do in the community. Um, and we do at both pubs we do we do a lot um, we have to work harder at the parrot to get people in because we don't have the footfall that Fort Ness has um, but Fort Ness I mean we do you know, like even in a couple of weeks time I'm not sure when this is going out but in a couple of weeks time it's Shrove Tuesday um, and we, uh, we we haven't done it for the last couple of years for obvious reasons um, but we team up with the local church um, and we make literally hundreds of pancakes and every topping you can think of um we put them in the restaurant i think people pay like a pound to the church to come in they get their pancakes they can make their own toppings to go on top and you know the church has activities there for the kids so that's all good fun as well um and it's things like that that we do the beach cleaning fort nests on good friday we, we do that every year um the village fates we do that at both pubs and yeah we work hard to to be 
really proud of where we are within the community. So um, your involvement in, in both of these is uh, for how long? How, how, at what point did you get involved? So I, I first started at the Dolphin um, 15 years ago. Um, and I, I went in as sous chef and I'd previously worked at the Dolphin when I was much younger, um, when I was sort of 18, 19. And I knew that it was a busy place and I knew that they'd need help for the summer. So I, um, I went there and worked um, for the summer. And that was my intention then. It's just like a stepping stone to my next job. And yeah, 15 years later, I'm still there. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, I love it. And Fortness is just such a draw. It's such a magical place. And I really do love the village. It is, and I just driving around there yesterday, sort of around the country club, and you can see over the beach, over the cliffs and what have you, and see Alba in the distance. It's just fantastic. Um, so yeah, Fortness, I've been there 15 years, obviously sort of working my way up, which is a good way to do it. Yeah, so uh, for those of us who aren't that familiar with um, kitchen terminology, what's a sous chef? Sous chef would just sort of pick up where the, the head chef sort of leaves off, essentially. They're there to back up the head chef um, to support them how they can. You know, they'll be in charge of the kitchen when the head chef is off. Uh, so that was my role then, yeah. So that's what you started with 15 years ago, and, and still involved in the kitchen work at uh, the Dolphin. I don't work in the kitchen very well, hardly ever at all anymore at the Dolphin. Actually, um, if it was like a special occasion, I, I might go in and sort of lend a hand. Um, and the head chef there now, he writes his own menus. Um, I have input into them and sort of overcheck those and what have you. Um, but it's it's a well-oiled machine. It runs very well, so doesn't need much interference. Very good. So what about the parrot then? How did you get involved in that? And when did that join in as part of the, the activities that you're engaged in? So about five years ago, four and a half years ago, we took over the parrot and we'd been looking for somewhere for a while. You know, the, the dolphin was doing well, it's running well. Um, and David, my partner, we were just interested in trying to find somewhere. And we looked at various different places um, and we didn't just want to jump in for the sake of, of finding somewhere. Um, and this has always been an attractive place. It is in a good position where it's located. It's right in a crossroads. It gets lots of traffic passing by. Um, and it's close to the dolphin, which is always helpful. Um, we knew the landlady here. Um, she used to have pubs in Oldborough. I used to go drinking in her pubs when I worked in Oldborough. Um, so, yeah, we already had that relationship. Um, and we knew that she wanted to retire so yeah we sort of jumped at the chance to come in here um and yeah we've been doing well i say doing well obviously the last couple of years have been a bit tumultuous but yeah sure we're still here so well that's, yeah that's the same yeah yeah um, and and actually in distance terms how far is there between both pubs a mile and a half two miles in fact i can see the sign to fort Ness outside my office window it says two miles so, yeah. yeah, so actually you really couldn't get anywhere any closer, I don't think, could you? I don't think there's Probably anything. not, actually. No, because no. that's probably closer than Alba, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, but, I um, think so, yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's brilliant. So, so what did that involve then when you were taking over something that was running along probably quite satisfactorily and it was really just because someone's changing lifestyle that you, you took over? Um, what, what do you do about that? Do you just just keep everything running as it is you just take some time to understand how it's going 
what, what's the implications taking on a business like that? I mean, we knew sort of how it was running anyway. It's, it was close to the Dolphin. We drive past it every day. We sort of knew what was going on. Um, and obviously, when you sort of when you're interested in taking over a business, you do your research. You you know you check out things online. Yeah. So we knew what it was doing, and we knew what we wanted to do with it. Um, so we, we closed, I think, for a day when we took over, just to have like a clean and a move around and what have you. Um, and yeah, the next day we launched with, I was in the kitchen um, pretty much full time when we took over um, and we launched with a new menu. Um, and yeah, we've, we've, we've done well ever since the, probably the most, um, I, I wouldn't say shock and I can't think of the word it's not coming to me, but <laughs> for the local people, the most shocking thing for them was within a couple of months of us being here, we painted the outside of the building. It was pink when we took over and we painted it white and it was like shock horror that we'd done this. <laughs> Um, and we did get a lot of sort of grief about it online you know on social media and what have you um but we needed to make a statement to so people knew that there was new people in here um and that we sort of meant business you know we didn't want to come in here and, and just do the same old thing we wanted to to step it up and yeah i think we've done that wow that's that's great so you you referred to it earlier about what's happened over the last couple of years and mm -hmm. um Dare I take you back to March 2020 and just talk through what was happening at each site at that stage? Well, I mean, we've just come out of winter um, and it's obviously both places, um, probably across the country, winter's not good, um, you know, for hospitality. It goes very, very quiet, uh, which is not a bad thing. It gives the staff a chance to rest up and what have you, but it does mean that the the bank balance is sort of depleting slowly, <laughs> um, but you know we we were doing okay. And then obviously, sort of in January time, you, you're watching the news and you're seeing what's going on in China, and they're building these hospitals and they're sort of um, disinfecting the streets and stuff. And we're sitting here thinking, "Well, that's bonkers. What are they doing?" Um, and then yeah, a couple of months it hit us as well. Um, and I think it was the Mother's Day was on the Sunday. And we had to close even on the Friday or the Saturday, I can't remember. But David and I had decided to close on the Monday. This is before any announcements had happened. Um, so we'd made a decision. We sat down with like our key staff and said, okay, we'll have Mother's Day. We'll close on the Monday just for like their safety more than anything. Because we, you know, we didn't know at all at the time what was happening. Um, and then the next day, the announcements were made that we were locking down on on the Saturday. Oh, I can't remember if it was the Friday or the Saturday. Um, and yeah, it was just, I mean, I did, I cried because it was just like, although we'd made that decision ourselves, to be told then by someone else that you have to close was just, I mean, it's never happened before. I can't remember a time where that has happened before. Um, and yeah, it was quite emotional. It really was. Um, and you have to act quick. Um, and I think a business, especially hubs, um, they need to evolve to, to keep themselves sort of going, really. Um, and we used to run the village shop in Fort Ness. Um, we had to give that up a couple of years ago. Um, but we decided, because at the time, um, like the supermarkets were struggling to get hold of stuff and what have you, we thought we'd open up our snug bar at the Dolphin as a shop. Um, 
so we did do that um to be honest it, it didn't i don't think people were too keen on coming out again because we would never experienced anything like this people were very worried um so yeah they they sort of stayed away so instead we decided to do we call them veg boxes um but it was just a, a box um that they paid 20 pounds i think it was 20 pounds um they got a loaf of bread um i think it was we were using pump street bakery at the time uh, some milk some eggs and then a selection of different fruit and vegetables um and we deliver those every day through lockdown um and i, I think we delivered sort of between five and six hundred boxes over the time mm. uh, just to local people um and yeah we just we had to do something to to keep for for us to keep busy you know our staff were off they were furloughed um and i think at the beginning of lockdown although you don't really know what's going on it's nice to be sat at home not doing much mm. and getting paid for it um but then i think boredom does set in um and yeah we were able to do some sort of maintenance on the pubs and what have you uh, but yeah, it's we we try to keep busy. We try to keep busy. So so it sounds to me as though what your your key connection there was just trying to maintain your relationship within the community and try and serve them as best you can. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so were you still able to access goods from suppliers reasonably easily, whereas the general public through supermarkets were maybe struggling to get some of those staples? Yeah, that's right. I think um, <clears throat> like the toilet roll was a problem. <laughs> Uh, pasta, flour, they're all running out because everyone's making banana bread. Um, but our suppliers, because the schools were still open at first, our suppliers were supplying schools still and what have you, um, so we could still get deliveries. Um, and, I mean, we, we have, a, you know, a fair stock of stuff anyway. Um, and because we weren't really sure how long we were going to be closed for, um, we were able to, like, obviously we buy flour in huge sacks but we were able to sort of divvy that out into like key bags and what have you. Um, and yeah, people were very, very appreciative. Yeah, it must have made a big difference to a lot of people who, um, as you say, it, it, some of it just feels like another world now, doesn't it? But there was certainly a time where even sort of going outside your front door, you felt very uneasy. This is it. And I mean, for myself, for delivering the vegetables, um, it, it just it seemed really impersonal because you would sort of knock on the door you'd leave the box on the doorstep you'd step back and for them it was really nice for them seeing somebody else because we weren't allowed to meet other people unless you were working um and i mean most of the people we were delivering to were sort of 60 plus who who couldn't or didn't want to go out you know they're the most vulnerable people um so yeah it was it was nice to be able to help um, and it was nice to sort of see their reactions and there was one lady we delivered to her every week through lockdown and every week I'd pick up the empty box she'd leave it outside her front door from the week before but inside would be a handmade card just thanking us for what we were doing and it, things like that just makes it worthwhile you know yeah lovely oh that, that, that's great and and how long were you carrying that on for did you continue that until you were able to open again yeah, absolutely. Until pretty much the week before that we could open. Um, yeah, once sort of, I think towards the end of the first lockdown, people were, were keen to get out again. Um, and for us, we needed to get ready to reopen, sort of relaunch both the pubs. Uh, 4th of July was the date, our Independence Day. Um, and yeah, so 
we yeah we did what we we could yeah absolutely. it's amazing isn't it there are some key dates that you can't help forget can't oh, i won't ever forget I remember fourth of july yeah. um I, I mean before we just go back and look at you know any other things that you were doing during that period of lockdown was um was that fourth of july what what was that like in and did you open both pubs on that date yeah yeah we did um it was just the the not knowing um yeah Again, I think it was a Friday, um, and obviously Fridays in July should be really, really busy. Um, but again, we'd never experienced anything like this. We didn't know what to expect. The same as everyone else in the country. Um, and it wasn't the busiest day, um, but it was just nice to have people there. You know, it was it was good, and it was nice to be normal again and just operate and how we how we usually do and just doing what we do best so yeah it was really nice and the staff obviously very happy to be back at work yeah absolutely and what other activities did you do I mean it sounds like you're incredibly busy just with these distributions but um mm. uh, were you able to do other things that connected with the community yeah so I mean the 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 veg boxes that we done were sort of mainly done from the dolphin and people would call the dolphin so they'd have the in interaction with the dolphin but i didn't want people to forget about the parrot either um and before all of this sort of kicked off we were doing like pub quizzes and people you know would pack out the pub with people and it was busy and I, I needed to do something that would keep people sort of interacting with me and the pub so they wouldn't forget about us um, again we didn't know how long we weren't going to be there mm. um, and i didn't want our customers to forget about us so not it wasn't straight away through lockdown i think it we locked down in march i think in the middle of april um i came up with doing sort of uh, a pre-recorded pub quiz online um and i called it the parrot puzzler um and i would it's just 20 questions i would record that on my phone um in front of a bookcase because that's what everybody was doing at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> a requirement of course <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, I'd put that out every week um, through lockdown. And I'm still doing that every week now. Um, I've, I have lots of notebooks in front of me with thousands of questions written in them. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was really nice to see like the viewership of those videos grow um, from just a couple of hundred and now sort of thousands of people see them um, all over the world. And there's people in Australia, Kenya, South Africa, America, Canada, they watch my video and it's just like, wow. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is not any like major <laughs> viewing figures, but you know, to have a few thousand every week, I'm really chuffed with that. Yeah. Lovely. And, and again, it's just another connection, isn't it? And Absolutely. I think, I mean, I'm sure your quizzes were great. Please don't think I'm undermining this at all. But I think there was a sense of just looking for something a little bit different as well, wasn't there? There was only so many box sets you could watch on TV. And, yeah, um, yeah. And, and you needed something to take your mind off the news as well, because I think there would be just times when it would just bear down on you at such a oppressive level. Yeah, I, I did stop watching the news through lockdown because it was just so depressed it was all doom and gloom and i just had enough you know and you just need to switch that off and have some positivity and mm. i like to think that my cheery face brought that to people <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure you were right absolutely <laughs> right um but of course you the whole purpose of what you do both in people going out for a meal or people sitting down for a drink it's all about communication and and encouraging dialogue between people which of course during that time was next to impossible 
it was difficult. I think it was the the first time or a lot of people have ever heard of Zoom. Um, I certainly discovered it and I, I grew to dislike it very quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, Which, of course, we're using right now. But we're right now yeah. <laughs> the first time in a long time. Well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were all doing sort of family quizzes on Zoom and what have you. And it was really nice because I was probably interacting with my family more than I would if there wasn't a lockdown, yes. uh, which, which was nice. Um, but we live in a world of now in a time where sort of communication is key um, to how we live our lives. And it's so accessible online. Um, so it was important that sort of the pubs moved with that as well and um, to move forward with that. So, you know, that's that's what we've done. That's what we continue to do. So just thinking of the two establishments, so obviously Thornless, you've got a bit more land, got a bit more space um, outside the outside the building itself, whereas Aldrium's less so. Um, mm-hmm. Has that in itself made a difference with people perhaps choosing to be outside uh, over these last sort of 18 months or so? Yeah, so I mean, people have that, I mean, the, the the parrot garden is is large probably equally as large as the dog is it really well. okay yeah, I think because it's sort of hidden away behind the building and bushes and stuff people don't realize that but yeah it's a very big garden um and yeah it's very important um after the the second or the third lockdown where from last year where we opened in april um people had to sit outside mm. um we were only allowed to to feed people outside so obviously that was very weather dependent as well. Mm. Um, so we had sort of gazebos put up in, in both pubs, marquees and what have you. So we had shelter. Um, obviously light was an issue in April because it gets dark quickly. Um, so we sort of had to alter our times that we would operate. Normally we'd start serving food at six o'clock in both pubs. But I think we started at five o'clock and just went from like five until seven. Um, but it was really nice. At the, I mean, at the Parrot lots of fairy lights around and you know you make it as nice as you can for people you have to and like I say before you know you have to adapt and mm. what have you. um uh yeah but you you have to make the most of a bad situation and like I, I keep saying to people we're still here we're one of the lucky ones because we're still open so that's that's the main thing uh, and on that have there been any things that you've learned from the last couple of years that that have impacted on the way you run the business um i mean obviously there's lots of things that were imposed on you you didn't have a choice but has it created a different you know any new ideas that you've chosen to run with or stick with i mean at the moment um we're doing takeaways from the parrot again um we did that through I can't remember which lockdown it was. I think it was the second lockdown or the third lockdown. I forget there was like a mini one in between. Yeah, um, yeah we did do uh, takeaways um, and they were very popular through lockdown. Um, obviously, people wanted to get out um, and just have some sort of a, a, a decent, that sounds like they're really bad cooks at home, but sort of other, something other than home cooks. Just food, treat, food. treat themselves once yeah, in a while. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not your ordinary takeaway that you'd have like, you know, a, a Chinese meal or an Indian meal. It, you know, it was something that you could have at a pub. Um, and so, yeah, we re- replicated that and that was very popular. So um, what, out of interest, what was on the um, takeaway menu? I'll start to salivate, but I will just ask. <laughs> too early for that. It's too early. Um, 
it was just like a regular menu for us. So, I mean, we had we have a, a goat curry on our menu, which is always very popular. Um, steaks, burgers, scallops, and sort of uh, the main core dishes on our menu that you can find sort of any time. They, they were on there and available to take away. And I mean, obviously, the burger is the big takeaway thing. Um, and yeah, it's still very popular even today because it's it's quieter now in January, like it always is in February and what have you. People don't tend to come out as much. We're used to that. We know that happens every year, even before COVID, that would happen. But now we can do takeaway and we've got all the, you know, the equipment and what have you to do it. We're doing that now. So people, if they don't want to come out, they can come and pick up a meal, take it home. And yeah, so that's something we, we do now that we didn't do before. And is that just at the Parrot or do you do that? At, yeah, it's just yeah. at the Parrot, yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you um, see things going from here? We're obviously speaking in a week where it seems like all the restrictions have effectively just been waved off and it's going to be gradually, I think, just as businesses and people allow getting back to some normality. Um, how long for? We will see. But um how do you go from where do you go from here I mean, we just keep doing what we do best you know we we will plan as we normally do um and that's all we can do we don't know what's going to happen um yep the, the, all the announcements are there that restrictions are going to be lifted and what have you which is fantastic um so yeah we just have to plan for the future like we normally would last summer was a bumper summer for us it was our busiest summer without doubt both pubs um and that's probably because we weren't able to go on holiday abroad so there's a lot more sort of staycations and people having day trips out and what have you um whether or not that happens again this year um if sort of although like restrictions are lifting here obviously covid is still sort of picking up in places in uh, you know all over the world um so there might still be sort of travel implications for people wanting to go on holiday i so there might be more people stay in this country again. Your guess is as good as ours. I don't yeah. know. Um, and obviously with like inflation rates going up and what have you, the cost of living, um, we sort of, we absorb as much as we can, but you know, we, we obviously have to pass that, that cost on as well sometimes. Mm. Um, but we, we don't want to put anybody off, but we have to survive at the same time. I see it. Exactly. So uh, when the weather hopefully turns in Easter um, or thereabouts, is that a time when you specifically plan for a change in activities? Easter is like the, the first busy time for, for both the pubs, really, that sort of kicks off the season. Uh, this year, it's a bit later, it's sort of the, sort of the third week of April, I think, um, which means for us, the winter is longer <laughs> because we're just waiting for Easter to come. Um, yeah, we're always happy with an early Easter, but with a late Easter, hopefully you get the better weather. Um, because although you might have a, an Easter sort of in the end of March, if the weather's not great, you're, you're not going to be busy. Um, so yeah, we, we gear up for Easter. Um, like it's the dolphin for Easter is a, is a massive um, weekend with the beach clean on the Good Friday. Um, we have a, an Easter egg hunt on the, on the Easter Sunday um and yeah it's a very very busy weekend something we look forward to because it does sort of kick off the rest mm. of the summer season for us um and you know this is what we, we love it that's why we're in this business because we love we love it so. yeah and that really comes through 
So uh, I just need to ask you another couple of things before we we, we come to a close. So um, I'm interested in obviously your background or how you came into this was through the catering side of things and, mm-hmm. and obviously your desire to provide great food with to people as it comes through loud and clear. Um, are the menus the same between both? No, they're, they're different menus. I mean, they're the same sort of style of menu, um, but the dishes on them are all different from, from, from both the pubs. Um, we don't want, because we're so close to each other, we don't want to be like competition with each other. We need to complement each other. Um, and like I say, when the dolphin is, is busy, they can send people to us and fill us up, and it works very, very well. So you've mentioned some of the things that are on the menu at the parrot at the moment with that amazing takeaway um, stuff too so what about (laughs) (laughs) that sounds fantastic um what what would be on the dolphins menu so you would you would recommend so the dolphin uh there's a fantastic skate dish on at the moment um that's skate is always popular it's a delicious fish uh the dolphin's most famous dish is probably the fish pie um and it's been on the menu ever since i went there 15 years ago um, it hasn't changed very much, um, but it, it flies out of the door. Anytime it's on the menu, it's the most popular dish. It's, it's very, very popular. Um, but yeah, steaks are good. We've got a fantastic butcher in Oldborough that we use. His steaks are great, um, and you know, we have them on the menu there as well. Um, yeah, they're always very popular as a steak. So, I mean, all of that sounds amazing to me, but can I just ask, is there a secret as to how to eat a fish pie? Because they obviously come out of the oven incredibly hot. <laughs> they do, don't they? Does, yeah. Are there any tips about how long you should leave? You know, do you make a little hole in the middle, get, get as much steam out? I'm, I'm intrigued, you know, from your perspective, you must I guess, have... Uh, I guess making a hole in the mashed potato to let the, the heat out is, is good. I mean, a large glass of wine to like... <laughs> you can have one of each at the same time oh very good that is complimentary sales i like that that's that's a great idea very good well it sounds like uh, you've got the sort of future um always in mind by just listening to what your community needs and your customers and clients so um yeah thank you for just telling us a bit about that today chris no no problem at all and uh, we wish you well. As you say, you know, the fact that you've got to this stage where over the last two years, there's others who sadly haven't been able to get through that, you know, wish you well for the future. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. No problem at all. Thank you. So I was really pleased to be able to speak with Chris Theobald from the Parrot at Aldrium and the Dolphin at Thoughtness and to be able to speak with him about uh, the work which they've been doing there uh, since he became involved with both of those and in particular over the last two years. We've been delighted to have you with us over this episode. Thank you for listening. Also, very many thanks go to Kevin Birch uh, for the editing on this programme and for Sally Birch in coordinating the recordings and Joy Day who deals with our visuals and website. Please do uh, ensure that you subscribe to this through your podcast provider of choice. And if you would give us a five-star rating, that will just help some others find us as well. Please do also provide us with any feedback or any other stories that you may have from around the county of Suffolk in the way in which people can spend, save or give their money. We look forward to having you with us on our very next episode. Thanks again for joining us. Mm